0: to Europe Now. We continue this new series of programs about leveling up across the European Union. In this episode, we take you to two countries, Italy and Hungary. The conservative governments in Rome and Budapest are forging ties and pushing back against the European Union in some areas. We start this program in Rome. Italy is now led by arguably the most right-wing government in decades. Prime Minister Georgia Maloney has taken positions on issues such as migration, which have ruffled feathers. She's also worried Brussels by saying that she wants to revisit the vast post-COVID stimulus package that was negotiated before she came to power. Maloney says that the package needs to take into account a new reality, which is surging inflation here in Italy. Our reporter Sophie Samai takes a closer look at some facts and figures.
1: Does Italy benefit the most from EU cohesion? Ah, Italy, famed for its easy-going lifestyle, its cuisine, its vespers and its profound economic inequalities between regions. In recent years, Italy has seen the biggest increase in income inequality within the OECD Group of Developed Nations, meaning it makes sense for Italy to be one of the biggest winners when EU cohesion funds are distributed. For the period running 2021 to 2027, Italy is set to receive over 42 billion euros, second only to Poland and ahead of Spain. Two-thirds of those funds are earmarked for projects in the less developed south of the country. 30 billion euros from the ERDF and ESF Plus to boost access to healthcare, education and job opportunities. And a further 1 billion euros from the JTF will support the diversification of economic activity in the regions of Sardinia, Taranto and Puglia. Italy is also the biggest beneficiary of the EU's recovery plan, adopted in June 2020. That is worth 192 billion euros in subsidies and loans across the period of 2021 to 2026. The Italian government has already received around a quarter of that sum, but to gain access to the remainder, Italy has to enact reforms negotiated with the European Commission the newly elected Prime Minister, Giorgio Maloney, has already vowed to renegotiate those conditions, raising concerns of Italian backsliding in Brussels.
0: We're very pleased to welcome on this programme Mayor Roberto Gualtieri, who's a very well known politician here in Italy for the Democratic Party. Uh, He's a former Minister of the Economy and Finance. And You're, of course, well aware that the Italian government wants to look again at the recovery and resilience package with the EU. Do you think any kind of renegotiation could risk
2: uh, the money that you need for this city in the future? i think we should not uh, change the lines of the uh, next generation u for rome it would be a mistake because we are already working on uh, implementing these projects uh, one thinking to make some adjustment to take into account the inflation uh, the higher cost uh, some flexibility might be needed some more time for specific projects but the basic line should remain unchanged, and I would be strongly against uh, a radical change of the of the next generation you plan just for to Italy. pick up
0: on that point about inflation how do you see a readjustment of the fund to take into account inflation how
2: would you see that playing out we can uh, let's say adapt some of the project uh, to uh, the increasing cost that's possible some remodulation in order not to lose the uh, the biggest part uh, of, uh, of the project, of the investment, but again, I think this this should be some adaptation, but not uh, change, not dropping the the projects, especially the projects which are related to the inclusion, the energy transition, the projects that see the, the cities, the local communities as protagonists. That would be a mistake. That would be losing an opportunity of transformation. If you want to reach the, the climate target, for instance, the cities is where we need to become more efficient, where we need to reduce emissions. So that would be a big mistake to cut this kind of project, but I don't think that will happen also because uh, the risk then that Italy would lose the whole set of...
0: Mr. Gualtieri, the Prime Minister here, Georgia Maloney, she's made some very controversial statements about migrants. Uh, do you think that there could be Uh, a point where Brussels decides to take action against Italy, perhaps even apply some kind of conditionality mechanism to European funds.
2: I see that this is a risk, so they should be very careful in following the example of other right-wing governments in Europe. In any case, we will stand for civil rights, for human rights, And uh, some of the first steps, uh, I think, are in the wrong direction, for instance, with these uh, NGOs who are saving lives. uh, And uh, I think it's unacceptable to discriminate for which refugee can be saved and which not. So we hope that the government will not make the mistake to enter in a collision course with the EU about uh, human rights and rule of law.
0: Prime Minister of Italy says that she's a reliable partner for the European Union. Are you convinced by this kind of talk?
2: (laughs) I mean, we all know the positions uh, of the current government, uh, which uh, are normally positional eurosceptic, let's see. I mean, I I see positively that now they commit to European integration, so I encourage this change, and I hope that they will be consistent because uh, Italy has to benefit by uh, moving uh, ahead, by making deeper the European integration, because we are facing problems that no single country can face alone. So we need to, 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 to do the same kind of uh, uh, step that we did with the COVID. When I was a finance minister, we succeeded in dealing with the pandemic together in buying the vaccines together in uh, issuing common debt uh, to uh, make p- countries uh, able to respond uh, with SURE, with the next generation EU, to have the ECB supporting uh, expansionary uh, economic policies. So th- we we succeeded and we avoided the uh, recession, we avoided a huge social and economic crisis. Now we, we need to do the same.
0: Mayor Gualteri, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Well, to give us her reading of this situation, I'm very pleased to welcome today a veteran of the Italian and European political scene, Emma Bonino. She's a former EU commissioner, a former MEP. She's also formerly a senator for Rome, and she was Italy's foreign minister in 2013 and 2014. The government here is talking about revisiting the post-Covid stimulus package, a kind of partial renegotiation to take into account inflation issues. Uh, Are you worried by this potential renegotiation? Do you think it could
3: It will never happen. Why not? You need the unanimity of 27 countries who uh, accept the renegotiation. I think that what the Commissioner Gentiloni warned us and says over and over that something can be Adjusted, but really something.
0: Well, exactly. Gentiloni did say that. By adjustment, are we talking about things that will impact more vulnerable communities in Italy? Is that a risk, do you think, or not?
3: Well, on this issue, the Italy dossier is not brilliant. On a structural fund, for instance, uh, most of the country, particularly in the south, are not using them. In the north, they behave much better. Let's say Emilia-Romagna, I've been using the last package uh, of the structural fund by 85%. If you go down to Reggio Calabria, it's not even 30%. So, I mean, we are not uh, uh, in a position of uh, tough negotiation.
0: Okay, we'll have to end on that Uh, somewhat downbeat note. Thank you so much, uh... Emma Bonino, a former European commissioner. A big issue in Italy at the moment is the question of migrants. This country is the first point of entry for many people crossing the Mediterranean. Back in November, the fate of a humanitarian ship sparked something of a diplomatic crisis between Rome and Paris. Our reporter Luke Brown takes a closer look at how EU funds are being used to help migrants and the communities hosting them. Chisholm's Simeon
4: Ubani is from Nigeria. He arrived in Italy five years ago. Now he lives in this asylum seeker integration centre with his wife and children. He works as a casual farm labourer, but dreams of more.
3: I would love to do more business. Because that's what I study in university. And I would love to do business, business, or even agricultural business, at least integrate. Everybody would love to do it. But by, we are by we are by Africans, 80% of Africans based on agriculture. Sometimes, with little money, they pay sometimes, it's frustrating.
4: The municipality of Brindisi hopes to provide a solution to that frustration. It's part of the EU's Reinsert project. The 2 million euro program is spread across 8 countries in the region here aiming to teach asylum seekers carpentry and give them the know-how to make a professional start in Italy.
2: People are we involved in uh, uh, activities of uh, this pilot action are people that want to stay here, want to learn a job, want to uh, maybe start uh, a business here in Italy in uh, in Brindisi. The main ambition of the reinsert project is actually to uh, uh, consider these uh, people like a, a, a resource for the territory.
4: Refugee integration centres are run by Italy's Interior Ministry. They're central to Italy's efforts to absorb the influx of migrants, 90,000 since January, up 50% on 2021. But Italy's new Prime Minister, Giorgio Maloney, has promised to clamp down on migrant arrivals by sea, raising concerns here.
2: The current government is going to implement measures which will be a step backwards when it comes to human rights and migrant rights
5: in our country. Southern
4: Italy has experience of welcoming migrants and refugees. Back in 1991, tens of thousands of Albanians arrived by boat in the ports of Bari and Brindisi. Today, the mayor of Brindisi rejects the new populist government's hardline stance, arguing that Italy's economy, especially in the south, benefits from the arrivals.
2: It's morally important to help people in need but there's also an economic requirement, and there's a lot of hypocrisy concerning this question in Italy now. We're a country of 60 million people, and there are 5.5 million coming from abroad to work for our country. Indeed,
4: the arrivals can and do contribute to the local economy. Ex-farm uses 50 hectares of land confiscated from the mafia, allowing migrants and ex-convicts a chance to regenerate farmland. One beneficiary is Dilava, who arrived from Albania 20 years ago and has made his home in southern Italy.
0: Well, to talk more about migrants, I'm joined by Vincenzo Soffo, an Italian MEP. He's a member of Brothers of Italy, the governing party. Vincenzo Sofo, thank you for being my guest. We just heard how NGOs in the south of Italy are worried about a possible backsliding on human rights. What's your reaction?
5: Is it respecting human rights, I wonder, to bring migrants here illegally? To flout the rules? and then to put those people into reception centers where they live in terrible conditions,
6: where they have nothing to eat, nothing to wash themselves with, etc. I think
5: that's backsliding on human rights.
6: It's
5: obvious that we can't go on like this. Migration policy today is not driven by EU member states or by the European Union. It's driven by non-governmental organizations, we are conducting a kind of parallel migration policy. I come from the south of Italy, and I was elected in Calabria, which is the poorest region in Italy, one of the poorest in Europe, and also one of the most criminal regions. We have one of the most powerful criminal groups in the world, the drangheta, and we all know that illegal migration is a major source of income for those criminal networks. You mention African migrants. The
0: mayor of Brindisi told this program that they fill jobs that Italians are unwilling to do.
5: What do you say to that? If Italians had to leave Italy because there was no work, how come people arriving in Italy find jobs that don't exist? Okay, if by work we mean doing a job with no security or protection and earning one euro per hour... Well, that's not an economic model. That's a model of slavery.
6: And the mayor of Rome told us it's
0: unacceptable that the Italian authorities decide which migrants are saved and which are not.
5: What's your response? This is demagoguery pure and simple. That's not how it works. There are laws protecting the integrity of borders. You cannot simply enter a country or a continent illegally. There are legal ways to come into our country.
6: For this show we've been in Italy and
0: in Hungary. You argue that the various rule of law issues have been politicized. We have
5: to watch this very carefully. We have to make sure that the action taken by the European Commission on Hungary isn't politically motivated, just because the Hungarian government doesn't accept certain European political agendas. This could set a very dangerous precedent. The rule of law should not be used as a political weapon. While today it's Hungary or Poland, tomorrow it could be Italy, France or Spain, or who knows what other country. Vincenzo Sofo, thank you very much for your
0: time. Well, it's in the building behind me, the Prime Minister's office, where Italy's future direction will be set when it comes to relations with Brussels, with Paris and other European capitals. We'll be watching all those developments very closely on our various European talk shows. That's all for this part of Europe now. Join me in a few minutes. I'll be in Budapest, the Hungarian capital, where EU funding is a political hot potato. That's coming up just after the news bulletin.